Hello all, and welcome to episode 5 of House of Hungry Ghosts. I'm your host, Sam Sarka, and today we have the second half, the conclusion of my conversation with Ravenwood Clearwater about masks and talking about personal development and community practice, community mask wearing. I do want to say that in this conversation, we talk about bringing one's best self to the table and some of the individual and maybe collective processes that can aid in that. But given what's happening in America particularly right now, but I think globally too, Um, But it's on my mind what's happening in America around reproductive rights and bodily autonomy. I'm feeling very aware of the privilege it is to take a seat at the table, uh, whatever your level of readiness. So I want to acknowledge that not everybody has that, and that one of my hopes think is that in building community, different kinds of community, that we can build a new table that has room for everybody, both everybody inside ourselves and everybody outside on a a more material and an emotional and spiritual level, I think, too. Thank you for tuning in. I know we're a week late this time, but my life has begun to accelerate in a pretty massive change. I will be moving out of my long, long time family home and Uh, into a more rural setting, which is fun, and I'm sure we'll have conversations about that in the future. But for now, posting may be a little hectic, and my intros, discussions, notes, and additions will likely be a a little shorter. I don't have as much bandwidth to dive as deep. But there will be episodes coming out. The next episode I have lined up is an interview with my good friend Nick, who is a second-generation Latvian immigrant. And we'll be talking about his experience uh, with a uh, with his Latvian family and growing up attending. Uh, Latvian-American schools and uh, traditional practices, and I really look forward to sharing that. I had a blast chatting with him. I won't be including an outro this time, so I'll say it now. Please uh, share with a friend, share with anyone you think would enjoy this conversation and what we talk about. 
and some upcoming holidays from the Pagan Book of Days. The 20th of May is a Pagan Festival of Mjolnir, celebrating the Hammer of Thor. It's interesting that this is upcoming because here where I live, this time of year is when the thunder strikes as it just did. How about that? Every day, almost every afternoon, we have thunderstorms and hopefully rain. The 22nd of May is uh, the Memorial Day of Ragnar Lothbrok, a pretty well-known figure, especially after the Vikings show. It's also the last day of picking dandelions for winemaking in East Anglia. The 24th is the Celtic uh, Sacred Mother's Day. Three goddesses worshipped in Celtic countries as bringers of prosperity and a good harvest. It is also the feast day of Hermes Trismegistus, patron of alchemy. Time of change. I think that's happening for a lot of people right now. The 29th of May is the runic half-month of Odal. There's also the Roman Ambarvalia, an oak apple day. The 30th of May is Frigg's Day, or, and also known as uh, Whit Sunday, the holy day of the Norse goddess Frigg. And with that, we'll get right into the episode. Thank you, and I hope you enjoy.
why do we wear the masks for particular tasks, right? right? You're not the same person when you go to work as when you get off work. Right. You're not the same person when you're skateboarding, when you're surfing. You know, you're not the same person when you're making a painting, when you're doing music. Like all those tasks take on different personalities and traits of their own. Right. right? We just don them continuously and then we forget. It's the art of forgetfulness. We forget mm -hmm. that we're all these other things because we're so focused at the task at hand, which is very good on one end, right? Because you're trying to master a task, which makes you a better person, which leads to the benefits of others, which allows you to teach. And that's a part of craftsmanship, right? That's right. the art of being in those points. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, but you can lose, lose perspective, right? Yeah. Like if you, if you wear the mask of a certain particular task or particular role, I mean, then, then you get into the place of forgetting that you have these other masks where maybe you're not a master and you have a lot to learn. And so then you lose the student part of the perpetual, you know, student-teacher dynamic. You know, I still mull that around the student-teacher relationship. I, I mean, internally, as, as yeah. like we are all in different realms of our lives, students and teachers sort of simultaneously. Like, yeah, we have things to offer other people to learn and we need to be learning constantly because we're never, you know, an ultimate authority, <laughs> truly. Yeah. Well, and that's like the cool thing about some teachers, though, too, right, is that mm -hmm. they teach without teaching. Mm -hmm. You know right. what I mean? Like, they're just kind of there to, like, reflect. Right. Mm -hmm. Which is also a big part of that mask work. Right. Because, like, as a student, like you you project masks on people too mm -hmm. and that's a big part of this whole experience that we're having too is that a good teacher will don that mask but mirror it back at you mm -hmm. in a, a trickster kind of way that brings you into a space of self-gnosis to come to that knowledge point right right and a bad teacher just like hammers it into you, you know what I mean? And that's more programming than it is actually reflective. Mm -hmm. right? that, that reminds me of a story. I don't know if you're familiar with Nasruddin Hoja. He's sort of, he's a, a trickster poet from the Sufi and, and Middle Eastern um, perspective. And one of my favorite stories of his is that he's gathering with his students and they're going up to the temple and he's riding the donkey backwards going up the mountain and the students are going you know what are you doing what are you doing and he says well if you know i already know the way the donkey knows the way whatever you know but if i was facing the other way we couldn't have a conversation i couldn't teach or you know whatever that that is and so so that's that function of, of reflecting to the student and teaching without teaching. You're not yes. necessarily leading, you know the way. And so you can face the direction of the student and, and allow the, the process to happen naturally. Man, I feel so uh, janky with my storytelling today. <laughs> well, you're, you're all good though. In a sense, also what that story is describing is it's describing what the universe does for each one of us absolutely right like 
allegorically, if you go there, it reveals so much more to your individual experience, right? Mm. And a part of that is storytelling in and of itself. And it's the mm. ability to tell stories. It's the ability to participate in one of the oldest arts that was bestowed upon us mm -hmm. by our ability to convey ideas in our in artistic manner mm -hmm. right? and that's where once again the, the mask really comes in right mm. because a storyteller could just be an average person right but in their imagination they have a whole thing that plays out and when they put that on and they're able to tell that story it changes the dynamic and relationship with the people around them right right mm -hmm. and i that's important and it's one thing that we're also lacking i think in our individual communities mm -hmm. because when we have our individual communities and we talk about stories we talk about movies we talk about what the main media has presented to us, but we don't ever tell the stories that are unique unto us. Right. I think that's where like D and D and and like tabletop gaming is one totally. of the most amazing and powerfully transformative things that people can do together. Is you know collaborative storytelling and and stuff like that. Like Which really awesome. wearing masks. <laughs> It's potentially also a double-edged sword too, though, right? Mm, as Once most things it, are, yeah. It, it has the potential to be totally awesome and life-changing, but at the same time, it also has the potential for ego solidification where they ignore their actual responsibilities and duties to those around them. Mm. Right? That's like so important that there's balance with all those things. Because if there's no balance within that, then what ends up happening, once again, just like previously stated within this is that you can start to cognitive cognitively dissonance yourself from your participation within the actual real not mm. saying that these things aren't real but i'm just saying that it potentially can put you in a space of inaction mm. right i see and i think i see are, are you talking about like getting so we're like getting lost yes. in, in playing in the fantasy realm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Which, which like, there's nothing wrong with that. You have to bring that into reality. Is mm -hmm. the, thing, right? mm -hmm. the relationship. Like there's plenty of times where, you know, D and D for people in stories that I've heard has given them the courage to actually take action in the world. Right. Right because mm -hmm. they did it in one space that was safe and they practiced therefore gave them the the energy and the power to carry out the ability to get a job mm. or the ability to procure an asset or pursue something they're passionate about yeah, yeah. yeah. uh to to um negotiate right because mm -hmm. there's a lot of negotiation there's just things in that that are good Mm -hmm. But that's not the end all. Right, right, of course, of course. If you can take that and carry it over, you'll see personal growth from that. Mm -hmm. And, and so we return to integration of yeah of the disparate parts. Yeah. 
and that's it's important that these experiences that you have individually add to your tools mm-hmm. to participate in the world and that's a part of that transformative process mm-hmm. right? there is the return right yeah, yeah yeah people that are totally absorbed in that right and if that's their path in life then and that's what they want to do more power to them it's a non-judgmental space course right mm-hmm. is that that's your pathway then so be it and it may lead them to many places you know someone is compassionate and loving within that like they could create their own game mm-hmm. they're gonna have that drive to do that that drive has to exist there if it's going to be beneficial right but if it's total suck and it's not doing anything for them and it's just it's become a mundane activity then it no longer has its magic right right and that's what's that's what I think is very important with all, all of this is that those things have to maintain a certain mystique and magic to them that allows them to work with it in such a way that it manifests in their reality. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, and, and we can say that participating in a realm such as D&D you wear a particular mask there. And so it's the same thing. Of if you wear that mask for so long and get crystallized or stuck in that mask, the mystique, the power goes away. Mm-hmm. And so the power is in the fluidity, right? The power, the magic is in switching the masks, mm-hmm. is in consciously inhabiting different roles and being able to be adaptable. Which is super huge, right? Yeah. And... In a, in a unique way, when you get into the spaces of creativity, it parallels ritual. It parallels transformation. It parallels so many things on so many levels that people might not necessarily be aware of what they're engaged in, mm. which is also kind of interesting too, right? Because that in one space is the same as it is in the other spaces. Right. Especially when we're talking about media, for example. Mm. Right? I think most media, all it is, is LARPing. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's LARPing for someone else's purpose versus LARPing for your own purpose. Right. Right. And that's the thing is once you start realizing those things, then you're actually transforming your own self and have the power to do so. And that's, I think, one of the bigger aspects of the mask that society and the programmers don't want you to understand Mm. because if you know how to run your own program and you know how to run your own mask system Mm -hmm. then you're 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 a liability man right you're a slippery motherfucker yeah yeah and that makes it that makes you a hard target Mm -hmm. for them to be able to to keep you under control Mm -hmm. if control is the name of the game which nine times out of 10 it is, then they're going to try every everything in the book to make sure that you fit the mold. And that's also a very crucial, crucial thing to understand. Mm-hmm. And becoming your more authentic self instead of celebrating an inauthentic self is going to be more beneficial for 
not only yourself, but for the people that you surround yourself in and the community that you create within your circle. Mm -hmm. And there's so many inauthentic selves walking around that when an authentic self presents itself to the public, it becomes shunned, it becomes outcasted, and therefore it goes unacknowledged. Right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In previous spaces within our history, someone who didn't fit the mold that came out with something potentially societal changing was celebrated. But now people that come out with something that is potentially societal changing is shunned, right? It's got so mm -hmm. many different labels and masks thrown on it that nobody wants to pay attention to it. And mm -hmm. it's not even worth celebrating at that point, right? Right, right. I mean, yeah, and I think that that shows up through history too in, in cultures of control and like particularly in large-scale like imperial-oriented places uh, the, and more like materialist and mechanistic yeah well and that, that alan watts has a interesting section where you know talks about the universe playing peekaboo with itself mm -hmm. funny guy right yeah. i like alan watts he's got a lot of awesome things to say and i think that's kind of interesting too at the end of the day like playing peekaboo mm -hmm. okay? and acknowledging that i think is really important but it's also in order to to have that be as powerful as it should be, you have to you have to have that self knowledge, man. Right. Like you have to. Right. Well, and would you would you speak more to like what that that game of peekaboo is that he's he's referring to? Uh, I'll I'll make uh, more reference within my vein of things is that. Hmm. Odin, after going through all of his experiences, like he travels the world. He he takes on the form, all, all these different forms. Right. right. He goes out and he experiences himself. Right. right. And that's super crucial to understand is like in, in context to that, it's the experience once you've attained a certain space of gnosis that gives you the ability to have more fulfilling experiences in your search and quest for knowledge and not being limited to, to specific programs or mm -hmm. your soul, your soul dynamic for expansion. And that's where really, I think the quest, once again, part of that hero's myth is significantly important to the individual not necessarily in a material sense, but more so on an, the internal quest. Because at this point, I think we've moved far beyond the material quest and into the internal, mm -hmm. which at that point is more terrifying than anything else. <laughs> you know? Right, yeah. And it's it, it, not that it should be, you know, it's both. You know, it's super exciting, and at the same time, it is. Oh, it is yeah. Very, like, terrifying, yeah. right? Yeah, um, because you have to start peeling away the 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 mass. Mm -hmm. I mean, you think that if you haven't been doing that, you're, you're however old you are, you've got that many years. So you got, mm -hmm. and, and even within those masks, there's masks. So it's like by doing that, you're you're becoming more authentic by doing so, mm -hmm. and you know 
which ones are the real masks and which ones are the fake masks. You know yourself in such a way that you can play more and have fun. Right. Like it's light, uplifting. Right, the aspect of play. But it is but it is terrifying, too. And oh, I think yeah. this this is like a really uh, perfect time to to um, bring in Lewis Hyde and Trickster, Trickster Makes oh. the World. Because there is... There's the dynamic of, of trickster, tricksterism of breaking existing boundaries. And that can be applied to a mask, too. And you, you, you take all of these masks that you've accrued and either, you know, break them or, or throw them up in the air. That's, that's part of, you know, what he talks about the trickster, yeah. right? Is you throw, you throw all the shards up in the air after breaking, breaking the barrier and then whatever comes down, you sort through and see what has value and take that forward. So you shed all the masks and find which ones are yours to keep carrying. Which ones do you like wearing? Which ones serve you to wear? And lighten your bag, right? Well, and that's the, the perspective that he has towards the trickster is very well thought out. Absolutely. Um, which I think is really important that he revealed that particular dynamic because not everybody is a trickster right you know they have aspects of the trickster and can work with the trickster yeah that, but it may right. not be the primary archetype they work with and which is totally okay mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. but the most important thing with that is that it knows when to cross the boundaries right right and in doing that it actually it allows for an, uh, a now moldable space for the individual. Right, right. it re returns flexibility and fluidity. Yeah, and right. I think that part of why comedy is really important yes. and humor is really important, right? And there's mm. traditions all throughout the world where, like, if you can't laugh, if you can't, if you can't participate in that, that joy, mm. that pure just like fun space you're kind of missing the point right you're not really like in that that space of service anymore you're in that space of apathy and, or, tr or trudging through and yeah, yeah yeah i mean and there's also the the aspect of humor allowing important information and you know dealing with hard shit allowing that to get through the cracks that we have, you know, the, the armors that we have and, you know, like unconscious even, um, like defenses and blocks that we have. If you can make somebody laugh before you, you deliver a pretty big payload, um, <laughs> it has a lot better chance of, of getting through, I think, you know, and that's like a pretty well, well understood aspect of, of the power of humor too. Yeah. And I mean, even the most brutal scenarios will there there's going to be humor mm -hmm. it might be very dark humor mm -hmm. but it's humor nonetheless yep and, and some yeah sometimes in the darkest of times the only thing you can do to get through it is to laugh yeah and that you know i love that conception of the universe or divinity uh, divinity of it's god laughing at, at itself themselves mm -hmm. you know the, the universe is a joke, is inherently absurd in many ways. You know, it's a, a universe of contrasts and 
opposites meeting and having tension and there has to be humor in that otherwise it's just it drives you nuts well and you know i think that if if that energy of laughter was actually used to its fullest potential mm. would actually see a lot more stuff change mm-hmm. but the way that laughter is like in comedy is conveyed nowadays it's still motivated by the institution's program mm. right like it's in, yeah in some like, ways yeah it's not even a sincere laughter it's become cynical well i mean yeah most <laughs> right most most sitcoms it's not even human beings laughing right yeah. it's yeah. a recording of laughing it's canned which laughter like, yeah which psychologically oh it's time to laugh right. ha 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 like no that's right. that's not, not <laughs> right. it at all yeah. which gets back to the individual telling stories right like that's when you really have like a meaningful laughter and meaningful like experience mhm well, i remember in conversations and and you know socializing going to bars and stuff many times people have been like hey man you're really funny you should do stand up and i go and i do stand up and because it's not conversational because it's not this you know thing it's not the same and it it doesn't happen as naturally that yeah. that storytelling and, and interaction of of humor and connection it's like the synchronistic value of good comedy and that's also like a part of that trickster play is like if you can turn serious things into funny you bear the fruits of it mm-hmm. you know and not a lot of people like that mm. because it shows the the chinks in the armor mm. you know and that can be detrimental to the dragon mm. and, and by by dragon do you mean like the protective mask that people yeah. wear I mean, okay, so no negative connotation on dragons, but symbolically mm. in this particular conversation that we're having could represent right. the adversary. I see. Right? Okay. Uh, to the extent of the Hobbit, right? right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Smog just coveting his gold, coveting the treasure. Right. That that aspect of dragon, not necessarily the actual um, deeper esoteric meanings of the dragon. Right. Of course. Yeah. Specifically. Yeah. And of course, like you revealing that it will infuriate anything when you do that. Mm. You know? That has a vested interest in, in protecting its uh, seriousness and sanctity. Yeah. yeah. When you can, when you can poke holes and, and laugh about it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I guess trickster masks, they can also solidify. You know, oh, absolutely. Yeah. There's a potential pitfall in that as well, mm-hmm. you know, which I think is, is a big part of, of that also ego entrapment. You know? mm-hmm. And typically through Hyde's perspective of the trickster, the trickster archetype is used to also bring forth like boons to to the community and boons to the other archetypes right right? as as a medium like a functioning the medium between either between gods or between god god and humans spiritual world physical world you know whatever you know boundary crosser right exactly 
Yeah. There's also a point though too, if that if that's not it can turn into a negative being as well very mm-hmm. quickly. Where it can be misinterpreted and then it can therefore become cynical. Mm. And therefore solidifying itself and unignored will create devastation until it's acknowledged. Mm, that it that it's become cynical and and yeah. itself fixed. Yes. And and stuck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like really important because it's no longer bringing boons. Right. It's destruction. Right. Well, and, that, and and that can be maybe seen in the in the way it plays out unconsciously in our culture with psychopathy or sociopathy or the dark reflection of the trickster of like the con man and how embodying that all the time you you know like you're saying it it can become detrimental and and harmful to the community well i mean even to the self yes no yes which i think is you know i think societies are important i think the individual self can become ignored and you are not worth anything to your peers or your fellow human beings at all if you turn parasitical Mm. in context to what you contribute to your communities right and in thus doing that that parasitical action can actually become more viral and virus-like than anything else um, and that's why the emphasis on individual growth and individual work is so important. And that's where I think ritual and your own personal praxis is the most important thing. Hmm. Because when you start taking that responsibility back onto yourself and you're no longer in a victimhood space, you can redefine yourself as an authentic individual. You can redefine yourself as who you want to be in the world. You can become rather than being molded into something. Mm. And I think ritual work, meditation, and your own path work is the most important thing as an individual can do. Mm. Because it opens up the the door for so many different experiences. And let alone what you can bring to your community and to you, to the people that you care about and you love. Right. Yeah. I do. I think that personal cultivation can, can open a lot of doors into, into interacting communally. And that helps establish the balance between external work and internal work, because I, I feel more, you know, it's, it's a much more balanced thing. There are, you know, there are external forces that, that we are working with that we need to work with together. We need, you know, this will probably get more into like egregore stuff and battling uh, collective concepts and, and consciousnesses. Right. I, I would probably put it in this perspective is that the only reason why King Arthur's Knights were as good as they were mm-hmm. was because they, all as individuals came to the table as equals, mm. right? So individually, we have to go through our own work and processes to even come to the table to transform and change those things. Because if 
if you're not in that space and you approach the table, then the whole thing becomes weak. And if you have three or four people doing that, then you, you're going to have the other knights doing all the work. So it has to come from an individual space where the individual comes to the table empowered and ready to work. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. And I also, this is maybe one of those issues with the, uh, that I have with heroic conception because the Knights of the Round Table is a table of mostly realized heroes, right? They all come in this, in this realized place. But the conception of needing to do the individual work, how do, you, how do you get there without what we were talking about earlier of having a table, a community where you can be vulnerable, where you can, you can try different things and try on masks and, and do the process of discovery in a safe place, right? Where you're not judged for things that could be perceived as weaknesses. Well, you should have already done that work before you approach the table, right? Like okay. the table is not meant for that. The table is the place of action. Okay. It's where plans are carried out, okay. right? That's the okay. space that you're talking about is way before you even come into your quote unquote night status, right? And right. it, of course, like, mind you, we're using these as metaphors and not actualities, right? Right. So, right. so that's, that that's really good because. I was, yeah. um, you know, the, the table you're talking about is a different space than uh, discovery yeah. and an ex and experimental sort of growth chamber. Yeah, it, that's, what, that's not what the table's for. That's okay. not, in my personal opinion, you don't go to the community to do that, right? That is where all action takes place and choices and decisions are made. And you want to approach that table with your peers that's the thing is like your peers to make the best informed choice and decisions based upon your individual gnosis. Mm -hmm. Now that individual gnosis point comes before you even enter the table. Mm -hmm. That comes with working with your group before okay. even coming to the table. And that's where you can be vulnerable and that's where you can grow and that's where you can share those things. You can share your individual rituals, your meditations and your work. But coming to the table means that you're coming to the table as a full human being mm. you've mm -hmm. done the work to be able to even sit at the table so that you can actually view yourself as a peer and mm -hmm. you can view the other people who are at that table as a peer mm. and then as a group you can make the most informed decision on the action to be taken mm -hmm. or go on that adventure as a group whatever it is mm -hmm. but you can't you can't just show up at the table expecting to to meet with your peers when they've done all the work. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? And that's why the ritual work and that's why the meditation and that's why the self-discovery and that's why the mass work is so important. When you have your space that's not at the table to do that, mm -hmm. it's more impactful when you don on your armor and your mask at the table with that knowledge to be accepted with your peers and mm -hmm. to make an informed decision for yourself and for the community at large mm -hmm. right? and be able to to convey your ideas in a meaningful way mm -hmm. versus being in that like chaotic i don't know space that space is reserved for that and that alone and mind you allegorically too 
that part that happens not only in a material form but also in the mental and in the mind right right, right. you're going to meet with all these other personalities that you have when you present yourself at that table and you you better be in that space of being a peer and being responsible or those guys they're they're relentless right i call it the council of we the myriad of, of people that live inside each of us and and have different voices and, and perspectives yeah. oh to get there we have to go through the, our, our individual processes mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. and at this and point good that come, circles back around to again like as as we've been talking about this and thinking about my my conception of idealized social groups and and decentralized uh, you know, like a village, like a village, a small village type of community. And so the people that you're going to, you're going to be meeting at the table are going to be the same people that you are doing the discovery work with. But then what becomes crucial is creating vessels, creating a space that are separated by ritual action, by consensual and agreed upon times and spaces of this is the work we're doing right now and we're going to inhabit this space together and we're going to explore this together and then this other space of making heavy decisions about the community about things you need to do about you know material stuff that is a different a different space that you're inhabiting even if it's in the same room it's a different mask that you wear right yeah that's crucial right that you understand that not only do we as individuals, but the spaces that we inhabit also have those masks. Right. Right. And they're meant to be like, they're meant to be separate in such a way it unifies them. Right. Right. And that's, that's that holistic system of the authentic self that is supposed to be the platform for meaningful experiences between individuals mm -hmm. and how you get there in my opinion how you get there is individualization right because my path work isn't the same as your path work mm -hmm. my meditations aren't going to be the same as your meditations you know and vice versa between me and you <laughs> they're not going to be the same as is anybody else right because our minds are different our bodies are different. Our environments are different. Our perception of those environments are different. Right. You know, like what we value is different. And when we start taking that into consideration, each human being takes on their own unique form when they start expressing themselves as individuals versus expressing themselves as an aggregate. Hmm. They start becoming more human versus becoming more robotic or more mechanistic within the constraints of society. Mm -hmm. I think I, I had to look it up because I, I found this a few years ago that we often talk, you know, you're talking about the individual path and then we're talking about the, you know, collective work and those two different masks, you have a different mask or, or the work individually is to sort out the masks or get deeper than the mask or find, you know, what's at the root, maybe shed all of the masks if you can. That's, you know, maybe the, the core, or you know, you talk about enlightenment or whatever is, is a, a visceral experience of masklessness. But the, the meeting of the two of working as a group and working as a self so that both can feed one another 
rather than you know individualism and collectivism is called interrelationism and it's yeah. about and i love that i love that i've carried that for a long long time as you know third way love it which <laughs> your middle path right yep yeah and which is also very important right like it's not about it's not about extreme individualism it's not about extreme collectivism Right. There's right. a balance between the two that needs to exist in order for a meaningful relationship. Right. right. When we have one system overthrowing the other, then it's creating that imbalance. Mm -hmm. Then there's going to be conflict. Right. Mm -hmm. And when the individual is in its space, once again, it creates conflict. Mm -hmm. Right. And some individuals who have hit that extreme space are actually causing more pain and suffering of the choices that they're making. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, when the collective is raised up above that in the collective, in the sense of a corporation, mm -hmm. they can create mass devastation and destruction. Right? So it's, if you bring them both down where they can see eye to eye, then we can create, start inspiring different modalities of existence. Right. Just as long as the two aren't meeting at all, as long as one's outbalancing the other, we're going to have a chaotic system structure, which leads to individual growth it, it, because the individual will grow to the point where it collectivizes. Mm -hmm. How it collectivizes could be potentially harmful or it could potentially lead to healing, mm -hmm. restoration, balance, right? Mm-hmm. That's where the emphasis on the individual is so important for me as a human being is mm -hmm. because creating that space that allows me to reflect or allows me to analyze, allows me to experiment, gives me the ability to work within the structured dynamics of society in such a way that can be beneficial to friends, family, and the extended society. Mm-hmm. Um, there are particular philosophies in place that have been around for a really long time is that the individual is only as strong as the whole, right? Mm -hmm. Which is essentially kind of a tribal mentality, which there's nothing wrong with that, right? Mm -hmm. But the whole is only as strong as the individual, right? So it works both ways. Right. That's uh, that in interrelationism, right? Yeah. And... I think if we had it more in smaller groupings, yes, expect unrealistic expectations of larger groupings, mm -hmm. then we'd actually have more solid networks and more solid groupings that would lead to more potent acts within the world that are more beneficial to the individual and the communities at large. Mm -hmm. and, it's kind of in reverse right now, right? The, the the communities are expecting so much out of the individual where the individual can't even meet at the table. Like, if you ask people, I mean, shoot, anything, you know, uh, I, I'm, I, I don't know about that. You know, but you ask them about football, they know everything about football. <laughs> mm -hmm. you know I mean? So they're an expert in that particular realm. But when they're called to these other roundtables or these other spaces, they, mm -hmm. they can't participate at the table. So therefore, they're not, they're not even like welcome in that community, which is unfortunate, right? Right. But that is because the individual hasn't necessarily done the work to be able to participate at that table. Mm -hmm. 
know, and unfortunately, that also has been taken advantage of. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Because uh, there's some some groups of people out there that think that these other people, they don't matter because they are not experts on this particular thing. So we're going to make choices and decisions for them. And that's when we start encountering the big problem throughout history. Mm. That a group of people think that they know what's best for another group of people. And then there's a conflict that ensues and it never turns out well for either party. Mm -hmm. And and that happens on an individual space as well. Right. It's it's a reflection too. Right. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So individual path working rituals, I don't really care what people are doing as long as it's leading them to their best possible existence. Mm-hmm. And if people need help with that, just remember there's people all over doing the same thing. You right. know, it's different, but at the same time, all it takes is a question. All mm-hmm. it takes is, a hey. you know, and it goes both ways, right? It's like, Hey, how are you doing? You know, mm-hmm. and, like really being honest. You know, that's that's a really hard part that human beings have is like being honest with themselves mm-hmm. and being honest with other people. It's like I'm having a hard time with X, Y, Z. It's like, OK, well, you know, this is what I'm doing with X, Y, Z. It's working for me. Like maybe try something different. Try something different. Try a different equation. You right. know, try a different book. Try a different philosopher. Try anything. You know, anything that's going to perpetuate your own self-growth into a space that gives you confidence to act in the world, Mm. act in your life, you know, act in a compassionate way, Mm -hmm. you know, meaningful way. Then you're donning on a different mask and you actually, you've participated, you know, and I I feel that's important. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, as, as some of the like ongoing episodes of this will be around different traditions in different places. So we'll have examples. I'm not, you know, like you said, I don't, I don't care what you, (laughs) what you do necessarily. I don't want to tell you what's right for you, but, but we want to give as, you know, maybe be a resource for, for options, for, for directions to, to seek for sure. You know, I've been doing a lot of ancestor work recently um, ancestors are wonderful, wonderful resources. Very rarely do they, eh, the ones that have been dead a long time don't have a lot of judgment left. I'll say it that way. Um, <laughs> well, they also have a different equation too. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Different kinds of conversations. Mm-hmm. But, but I, I think if we're, if we're looking for, places to feel safe shedding masks because not all of us have social groups Mm -hmm. or even internal spaces where it's safe to do that um really like i mean if you can just say hey Mm -hmm. distant ancestors y'all probably wore hella masks so let's let's hang out in mask land for a while and and see what we can we can do here that that might be a good starting point yeah, and it, it that gets into the deeper collective unconscious too. Like mm-hmm. that ties us all together within right. that. 
right? They don't, you don't have to have names for them. You don't have to know who they are or where they came from or any of that. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely helpful in the, the conceptualization. Oh, absolutely. Happened. Right, right. And that's part of the ongoing work here too. And I think too that there's also another saying that I like a lot. It's the man of many hats or the woman of many hats, mm. right? It's, it's being able to take one hat off and put on another hat. Mm -hmm. um, which is super, I think that's important too, you know, like, uh, people obviously with their individuality have different passions and are knowledgeable about different things. So if you're as a seeker seeking that knowledge, like why not ask? Mm -hmm. It's, it's courage. It takes courage to do those things. You know, it starts coming down to these particular, emotional dynamics that encourage growth you know acknowledgement being one of them mm. yeah. i acknowledge plenty of authors and mentors and people who through their own individual experience have a plethora of knowledge that's worth sitting down and listening to it's worth sitting down and reading mm -hmm. it's worth acknowledging because they have that experience you know and that's also very important is knowing when to sit and listen and knowing when to talk. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Any, any closing thoughts, anything you want to put out there, play you uh, know, your own projects, any of that? Uh, at the moment, not necessarily. Cool. Um, for me, just kind of just going through reading a lot of books. We're doing mm -hmm. that. I consistently do that. Um, I'm working on a couple book clubs with some folks, which is very awesome. Mm -hmm. I recommend if you are in a space where you have friends who like to read, start reading together. I encourage it. Uh, Fine gentlemen encouraged me to do the same thing, and it has been extremely beneficial. So it's a part of what you were speaking of earlier, of a, a nice space to have to grow. Mm -hmm. Because once again, if you're all reading the same book, then you are bringing different perspectives and you can bring those people together and all these different perspectives on things, analyzing books, mm -hmm. because in our world, there are millions of different books, <laughs> by millions of different people, and they're all unique. They're all, they all have their own knowledge and things to say. Yeah. So I, I strongly encourage anybody out there who is listening to, to read more start a book more. club because <laughs> honestly that's going to help you no matter what it is it yeah. doesn't matter just yeah. just do it do the things create a community yeah it's small you never know what's going to happen well thank you so much for yeah. hanging out with me in this space today and wearing these masks to have this conversation yeah thanks for having me i appreciate it